0: Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning we want to be excited about you, Father, because you're such an exciting God. You're the God of the sudden things. You turn up when we least expect, and you also turn up when we do expect. So we thank you, Father, this morning for what you've done, for the whole weeks that you've been with us, blessing us in all our workplaces and other places that we've gone to. You're a God of God. You're the Lord. Who knows. We worship you. We praise you this morning, we thank you for your word, that it will fall on good soil this morning, and bear the fruit that shall remain in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Many years ago as a young man, as a Christian, I received a dream from the Lord. And the dream was that I was walking through a forest, or the side of a forest, and there was a man in a white cassock in front of me, leading me. And there were rows of animals, all different types of animals. And some of them were with bandages and so on and so forth. But they were all very happy. And we were following this man. And he led us up a mountainous path and then brought us up onto the a rock that was on top of a cliff. And below us unfolded this valley that was maybe 10-20,000 feet below. And in the middle of the valley, on either side of the valley, was this long and winding river. And all these animals, they jumped down the side of the valley and they ran down the side of the valley. It was lush green. And the light that was shining was not uh, the sun, but it was a very, very bright light, beautiful valley, beautiful river, beautiful light. And I turned around and I looked at this man and I said, uh, Who are you? And he said, I'm the keeper of this place. Then he looked at me and he said, so I looked at him again and I said, where is your wife? And he looked at me and he said, you are my wife. Mankind has been looking for a resting place. And they have been in turmoil and chaos almost all of the history of mankind trying to find this resting place. And God is saying to us in these last days, I have prepared a place for you. A resting place. Hallelujah. Something that you and I have been longing for on this earth in our minuscule thinking. Trying to work out a place where we can find some rest. And the context of rest is peace. A mindset that says, I don't need to go through any more problems in life. Or I don't want any more problems in life. But that is not the rest that God is offering us. God is trying to get us to understand what his rest is about, because he himself rested on the seventh day. Hallelujah. So if God had finished all his work from before the foundations of the earth, then there was to be an outworking of that work in the manifestation of what he had designed in his wisdom to be. But in that process came the troubles and the trials and the tribulations of a sin nature that was not meant to be, but happened. Now because you and I have a sin nature attached to us in our flesh, there is the possibility that we can fall into a scenario of unbelief about God. Because of what is in the world. And so we look for the assets for the, the benefits of living in this life. And think that money or a wife or a car or a big house or bigger house than what we have now. And we are looking for this place where we think we will find happiness. Where we will find joy. Where we will find And there's an unrest within us. Most of the time that unrest is from ourselves or from the devil, it is not from God. Sometimes God gives us an unrest so that we are pushed forward in pursuing him to try and find out this place of peace that he is offering us. And so he says, I have prepared places for you in life's journey which your eye has not seen, the ear heard, nor has entered into your heart, but has been revealed by the Spirit, that I will be taking you to when the time is right. So at each journey, or each point of your journey in life, there are resting places. Like for example, if you drive from here to Perth, there are at least six to ten resting places along the way. Right? Why? Because the journey can be long. Because the journey can be dangerous if you keep driving for a long, long time and you get tired. And the older you are, the more tired you get. So when you are walking with life's journey, the older or the longer you have been walking with God, it can get very tiring. Because there is a faith involvement. There's an aspect of believing God in the trials and the tribulations of life's journey. That's not easy for any one of us. No matter how mature we are in Christ. So each time, there's a place that God brings us to in himself. that we need to accept we need to receive that this is God's plan for our lives that he knows the journey he knows the way he has gone before us and he has prepared not only the way but the resting place but too often man has mistook The concept of the resting place and it's not about trying to design a resting place for themselves. I know I'm guilty of it. I've done it so many times because God has not turned up when I wanted him to turn up. Or the journey has been extremely difficult and I say why do I have to face this When I am serving you, aren't you the almighty God? Aren't you the one who can fix my problem, sort out my enemies, get me to the place that I'm supposed to go, that you want me to go? And he says, but you have not understood my ways. The people who can get involved with God find themselves (laughs) in a difficult position. I said, why did I ever get involved with God? I never expected that my journey will be this difficult. Can't you see the world? The devil is speaking into your ear. Say, can't you see the person in the world? He's happy as Larry. He's making money. He's got all the things that he wants in the world and he's going fine. There doesn't seem to be any problem in his life. So why is it that when I serve you God that I have problems? That the journey is difficult? And God says because you don't know what I have prepared for you. You don't know what it takes to go through life to get to that place I have prepared for you. And too often we are designing this place for ourselves and telling God how it should look what it should be and we say after all I'm here to do what your bidding is so why don't you give me exactly what I'm asking for and he says sometimes have it if that's what you want have it and you know the Jews in the wilderness said to God, we've had enough. We want to go back to Egypt. We had homes there. We had vineyards there. You know, and, and blah, blah, blah. We used to eat meat. So he said, okay, you want meat? I'll give you meat. And he sent them meat in bird form. And he said that as they were eating it, they were vomiting it out. And he sent leanness into their soul. They became tired of their journey. They had been crying for 400 years and saying, Lord, deliver me from Egypt. And God sent Moses and delivered them. And he said, okay, now you're going to go into the wilderness. It's only going to be a two-week journey. But you know, these guys, they could not wait. They could not handle two weeks of hardship that they'd been handling for 400 years in Egypt. And they were getting manna for the day. They're getting the fire by night. They're getting the cloud by day. They saw miracles, signs and wonders. God wiped out Pharaoh's army, parted the Red sea. They saw all of that. And who are we today? We've seen all the miracles that God has done in our life. He's seen how faithful He has been with us on our journey in spite of our mistakes. And we still do not believe Him. Some of us. We still question his authority. We still question his ways. We still question why he's not doing it at the time that we have asked him to do it. And he says, are you God or me? And today, more than ever before, we need to understand about this resting place. Come with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. We're going to do a bit of finger-licking reading. Hebrews chapter 3. 18 and 19. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Verse chapter 4, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. He's talking to us, okay? So it's not for somebody else, this is written for us. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, talking about the Jews. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the Jews had the gospel, they did not receive it, they did not mix it with faith, and they got into trouble. Then he says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Wow. I said, okay, hang on a second here. Something something the Bible is trying to tell me that God had finished the works from the foundations of the earth. And he says, yes, even though I have finished the works from the foundation of the earth, yet I will not allow... I will not allow you to question my ways. I can change what I had purposed to happen along the way. I can change it. So here we are, we're going to God and we say we're the beast knees. Right? And you need, because you've chosen us. So therefore you need to comply with with what we are saying because you are obliged to your word. He says, even though, listen to that, even though I have finished the works from before the foundations of the earth, even though I have chosen you, even though I have chosen you Israel, if you do not believe, if you do not accept my ways, You will not enter into my list. There are 11 reasons that I have discovered in the Bible. And I'm sure there are more. As to why a person cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. 11 reasons. And God is offering us something that we ourselves need and desire. And you, 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 you and I need that rest. We are, we are buffeted by the enemy. You know, Jesus spoke in Matthew 12 and he said that when the spirit is cast out, the unclean spirit is cast out of a person, it goes into the wilderness and finds no rest. And comes back to the same person that it was in. And finds the place all clean and ready and rested. And ready for him to occupy. And he finds seven worse than him. And comes back into that person. So now you've got eight demons. Wicked demons living inside your house. With you. In you. Your house. These are restless spirits. You know church hopping? Restless spirits. Job hopping, restless spirits, because you're not rooted and grounded in the church. Every passing fad and fashion of revival that comes about our way, we don't immediately want to follow that. Restless spirits—they don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. They just cause problems. So restless spirits don't achieve very much because now they are moving like a pot plant from one place to the other place to the other place. God had to arrest the restless spirit in me. I had to admit I had a restless spirit. And when I got rid of it, peace came. Peace came. Because God is my resting place. Not a ministry, not a job, not a, a a wife, not a car, not a house, not a child. They are not my resting places. My resting places are benefited by those things that are around me, that God has blessed me. But till I make God my sin, himself my resting place. I cannot accept what is around me. I will be fidgety about it. I will want something that is not mine. Nice little girl goes walking by and says, "Ooh, how about that, buddy? <coughs> so I'm uh, married. Uh, that doesn't matter. One night won't matter. Oh, yes. Restless spirits. That's why Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they don't come to church. Because they find that there's unbelief in the church about their visitation. They, they, they say, We're not welcome in the church. You, you want to run church the way you want to run church a social club, a place filled with sin. A prayerless place, a place where the words is uh, somehow confused and, and manipulated to sound like it is me, but it's not me. So he said, I find no resting place in the church. I want to make it my habitation, but I find no resting place, because I'm amongst restless spirits. And God is telling us, listen, you will never make it to the end of what I have prepared for you because of that restlessness in you. If God speaks to you and tells you to do something, are you going to do it? That's the question. Because it's going to cost you to believe Him, trust Him, and do what He tells you to do. Jesus is taking us somewhere. Are you prepared to go with Him? Wherever He's taking you, That dream I had, all those animals were souls of people. That place that he had brought me to was heaven. And he himself was the light that was shining there. But the journey that I had followed with him and the souls that I had been involved with were not all, you know, 100% Perfect, neither the journey nor the people. Because we had all gone through trials. Life was difficult. Life had been difficult. But somehow we clung to the realization of the truth by the grace of God given to us to make decisions that will say, No, Lord, I believe you no matter what desert you take me through, no matter what storm I go through, no matter what fire or how many times hotter it gets, I will believe in you and I will follow you and I will never let you go and I will wait upon you to bring me to that resting place. And we still think the resting place is a place. If I can only have a bit of If I can only get over this hurdle of my problems with my wife. If I can only get over the, the offense of the church. If I can only get over the lack of money. If I can only get over this sexual problem I've got. Or if I can only get over this. And he says, you have not understood who I am. That's why you're looking for something outside of me to satisfy your soul and tell you that it is fine. If God says, God will do. End of story. That's all of the promises of God. Amen? The promises of God are here and amen in Christ Jesus. So your resting place is in a person. The resting place is a person. The resting place is large. You cannot exhaust it. We have our moving and our living and our being in Christ Jesus. God Himself has given us grace so that we can come to that place. How many times have you and I suffered the attacks of the enemy? And we have cried to God, and He said, God, save us from this situation. And God told Israel, Listen, you're going to have enemies along the way. And you're also going to have enemies not only in the desert, scorpions and snakes, and so many other enemies who are waiting in hiding places to destroy you. But once you cross the River Jordan and you come into the promised land, guess what? Whilst you're going to get blessed out of your socks, because I'm going to give you houses you did not build and land that you did not own. I'm going to give you all of that that belonged to somebody else. Guess what? You're going to have enemies. So, you know, you get married and you think, wow, this is the best thing that ever happened. And then before long, you're, oh, I didn't expect it to be this way, Lord. Or something else. Or something else. Or something else. And the restless spirit comes around and it says, well, why don't you leave? Why don't you pack your bags and go? Easy peasy. So we have more than 60% of divorce in the church. I don't know what the figure is in the world. Probably 90%. If your relationship with God is only worth what he gives you, you've already lost it. You've already lost your relationship. If the only thing that he's good for is what he can give you, Jesus was positioned for you and me by God as a high tower and a strong tower. And the Bible says that the righteous run into it and are saved. So every time I see the storm, every time I see the enemy, every time I see something coming against me, I run into Jesus. Because in Jesus, nothing can touch it. There may be raging and wrath, carrying on on the outside, but they cannot touch me because in the inside I am with Jesus. They can take my body, they can take my property, they can take whatever they want, but they can't take my soul. But the challenge will come. A painter, two painters will ask to paint a picture of peace. So one man painted a beautiful valley with a river and birds singing and sun shining and all manners of beautiful things, he painted a beautiful picture of peace. Then he asked the other painter to paint a picture of peace. And he prayed, he painted a raging storm. Lashing waves on the rocks and hitting the rocks was really horrible to look at because of black and dark. And inside the rock was a little bird while lashing winds and rains all around him and waves. There was a little bird inside the rock. And it was going, tweet tweet, tweet tweet, tweet tweet. Singing happily because it knew the storm could not touch it. So which do you think is the picture of peace? Can someone tell me? Second one? You want to have a second guess? Huh? Both of them are pictures of peace. The picture of peace in your good times and the picture of peace in your bad times. And the bird in the rock is you in the hands of Jesus. The cleft of the rock. God has hid you in the cleft of the rock. And King David said, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So just when you are not ready to sin, the word will speak through the Holy Spirit and convict you of your sin. If you disregard it, you are going to sin. You're going to fall into unbelief. Because unbelief is the sin. And it's going to get you to a place where you're going to lose your peace. You're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose everything. But you haven't seen it yet because you haven't gone to that place yet. You are just a step away from making that mistake. And the Lord is saying, don't make that mistake. Jews didn't understand that. He said, listen, now in the two weeks, it's become 40 years, and he said, yes, before the foundations of the earth. I've spoken something in your lives, but you did not believe me, so you will not see the promised land. Barring two people, Joshua and Caleb, everybody else died in the wilderness, including Moses. Including Aaron, his brother. He said, because you are a perverse and an unbelieving generation, I'm not going to take you into the promised land. And what do we have today in the world? Is an unbelieving and a perverse generation that don't want to believe God. And those who are in the church have perverted the ways of God and do not want to believe in the promises of God and do not want to wait for him. And they want to go ahead and do stuff that is not of God. Seek righteousness, you will suffer. How's that for encouragement? You're not encouraged. You should be really glad that you suffer because it tells you that you're walking in righteousness somewhat. Not suffering because the devil is attacking you. But suffering because somebody who is in the realm of the spirit is attacking you for your righteousness. I'm making a stand for you Jesus and they're attacking me. He says, good man, I really commend you for that. You mean you're not going to stop the enemy? No, 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 I'm not going to stop him. I'm going to just let him attack you. So what do you mean? You see, he can't touch you. He's a useless enemy. He's got no power. He has no authority. He's only a yapping dog. Why don't you take him and put him under your feet and stamp on him? Oh, you mean I can do that? Yeah. Of course you can do that. Your enemies are all defeated by Jesus. There's not one left who's not defeated. They're all yapping dogs. They're talking nineteen to the dozen, but they don't know what they're talking about. They're confused. They're lost. They're destroyed. They're already convicted. They're already judged. They're already in darkness. You are in the light. Tell your enemy. Not another person. The evil one. Who is influencing people? He said, Oh, I can't do anything about it, brother. You know, you know it's too difficult for me. Yeah, yeah, I know it's difficult. But the victory is on your knees. When you humble yourself, God will act and He will fix the problem. These people didn't know how to believe God, didn't know how to humble themselves, and in Deuteronomy eight, God telling them the reason I took you into the wilderness is to humble you. But these guys didn't want to humble themselves. Said, by humbling you, I'm proving you. I'm proving to see whether you will stand the test of time, whether you will ta- stand the test of my trials and my tribulations, whether you will stand up and fight and destroy the enemy because I have given you authority and power. I was teaching Zoom on Friday, uh, teaching Bible study on Zoom on Friday to Mumbai. And there was a guy from Kerala, which is like right, right down south, Mumbai is right up north, right? He's a pastor. And uh, I said, anybody need prayer? And he said, yeah, my wife, she's got a foot problem. By the time we walked about what the problem was, we understood that a big log of some sort had fallen on her foot. Right? And she was in the bedroom. And I said, Well, let's pray for her. Right? So we prayed. And I said, Now go and see how she's doing. So he went and he said, uh, No, it's all the pain is still there. So I said, Get her up and bring her to the Zoom camera. So he, he did that. And she came limping, you know, in pain. And she came there and I said, Okay, sit down. And I told this guy, Take your hand and put it on the foot. And I said, Lord, anoint this hand and heal this woman's foot. I said, now, no, no, all the pain is still there. I said, still there? Still there. Okay, pray again. Pray again. I said, now, on a scale of ten, 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, where is that? He said, it's 5. I said, 5 is not good enough. We won't see it. Okay, let's pray. So he kept praying. He said, now, where is it? Uh, 3. Then I said, now where is it? So we're praying, right? Continuing to pray. He said, all the swelling is gone. All the pain is gone. He said, well, if that's the case, stand up and walk. God. If all your problems have gone in life, stand up and walk. Stop living in a wheelchair. Your problems are gone. Because Jesus took them. Why are you living in a wheelchair? Why are you bemoaning your problems? Jesus is taking it. Yes, we have warfare. Yes, we want to fight because the devil backs off. That's the part that Jesus is authorizing us to do. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now go and make disciples. Don't talk about it. Okay? Go and make them. Oh, but Father, Father, if I go to India or if I go somewhere else, I'm going to have problems. Of course you're going to have problems. The devil doesn't want you to go there and do stuff. We're standing at the threshold of eternity. Let me tell you that. We're standing on the threshold of eternity. I can see eternity. I don't have time for squabbles and quibbles and all these kind of things. I'm looking into eternity and I'm seeing that we're on the threshold of it. Jesus is going to come very, very, very soon and he will hold us accountable for what we have done or not done. Trust me. Romans 8:18. 8, Please, come with me. There. Romans 8:18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Wow. (laughs) Glory is coming. You know that? It's coming, and it's coming in the person of Jesus, and it will be revealed in us. Okay, it won't be just around us, it will be revealed in us, and we will be the manifestation of the sons of God, and daughters of God, and they will see the glory of God through us. When you walk into the room, they say, whoa, what's this? This is the glory of God. How come you're carrying it? Well, God chose me as His vessel, and I believe that I can't carry what God wants me to carry. Why do you suffer as children of God? It says to us in Hebrews 3:18, "To be found worthy to enter into his rest. So, we are to be found worthy to enter into his rest. 2 Thessalonians 1 to 3-10 talks about it and he's saying, listen, you have to be found worthy. What does that mean? Like when you take a product and you test it, it has to be worthy in order for it to function. Otherwise, you cannot put it into your factory and cause it to work because it will not do what it's supposed to do. That's why you are trained. That's why you are disciplined. That's why you are rebuked. That's why you are chastened. That's why you are corrected. That's why you are brought into the place of glory and presence and power. And God whacks you and hits you. And you laugh and you, 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 you cry and you don't know what you are doing. Why? Because God is preparing you. Most people, you know, I've noticed over the years of my ministry. They get whacked they do all sorts of things. And then they've gone right back into the world. God just turned up at their doorstep And said, I've come to do what you've asked me to do and I'm doing it now. Oh, no, no, You see, it hasn't it hasn't sorted itself out as I want it to. So we are in turmoil. We're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I know I was like that. I got into desperate, desperate situations. And I was blaming God. Of the desperate situations that I found myself in. Because I was following him. Because I wanted to be righteous. Because I wanted to be worthy to enter into his kingdom. So one day God had to speak to me. In a way that I could understand. Let's go to Isaiah 54. Verses 11 and 12. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy windows of agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. (laughs) <laughs> He's now fashioning you and me like precious gems and stones. Precious to him and precious when people look at you and say, wow, what a diamond you are. He says, thou afflicted and tossed like a, a rag or a boat. In a, in a storm, up and down, up and down, you know, constantly wondering what's going to come next. And he says, listen, this is who you are going to become. Calm down. Calm down. Receive my peace. The peace that the world cannot give. a peace that will not pass away. Calm down. Receive from me, and God is going to take you to a high place when you do that. Those who do not believe God will die in the wilderness. You know. God rebuked and chastened me a lot. And I felt that he had done it more than he had done it to other sons. And I said, why? He said, because you're a hard head. You've got a stubborn heart. And King David said, today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart, as in the wilderness. So in the wilderness is the place that your heart can become very hard. To the point where you turn away from god and you walk away in unbelief and you say no i'm not interested in you anymore because you're not doing what i asked you to do and he's assuring us in isaiah 54 he says listen you will be greater you will be bigger than anything that has not uh, has has fruit through until now he's saying you know single pattern The one who does not bear or has not born children will have more children than the one who has born children. Talking about Sarah and Hagar. It's the children of Sarah that are going to be more than the children of Hagar. And yet Sarah was barren. Your situation could be buried. I know mine was in many, many situations. It was bad. Dead. Nobody could could raise it up. I was down and out. Gone. And God said, who said you're dead? Who said you're finished? Who said I haven't prepared something for you that is glorious and marvelous and beautiful? Who said? And he's making a demand on your senses as to who said that to you. And God says, listen. Listen to what I have to say. I am your resting place. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything. You don't need stuff to go right. You don't need to be blessed with millions of dollars. You don't need any of those things Those accolades of men. You just need Jesus. Amen? You just need Jesus. Get more of Him. The more you get of him the less you worry about your situation and what is happening around you and then he becomes your resting place so you rest, rest in him have your peace and your joy in him even though the storms are raging all around you you rest in him and walk in faith believing that God has a plan, it's a prepared place for you, and it shall come to pass. Let us believe today. Let us trust God. Let us lay down our aspirations, our ambitions, our ideas, our thoughts, and you know, wanting to get ahead and do all that sort of stuff. Even all the things that in the ministry you know, I lay it down. I lay it down. I say, God, these are not the pursuit that are greater than you. I remember going to one meeting. I was telling my friend the other day in the Philippines. I had no idea what was going to happen. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be the one on the stage, you know, doing stuff. As exciting as it is, as glorious as it is, I said, why don't you turn up at the meeting? And I gave an altar call in the Philippines. We were having a three-day revival meeting. Something like maybe 60 to 70 people were coming and were there. And I got up and I just gave an altar call and I began to pray. Just from where I was standing just giving thanks to the Lord. And the Holy Ghost walked into the room.
1: And they were manifesting
0: all over the place. fifty 50 people manifesting demons took George to Mauritius. He said, George, just do what I tell you to do. We stood there and we watched God turn up. And people were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. People were getting healed. People were getting slain. People were getting whacked by the Holy Ghost. We were not doing anything per se. We were standing at the stage. And this strength it's going on and on and on over the years. Till it happened last year again. And I'm telling you that you and I are the carriers, okay, you and I are the carriers of God, His power, His glory, and His wisdom. People are waiting for us. People are hoping that you would turn up into their lives and sort things out for them. What do you think God was doing this morning? Don't take it as another altar call for you. Yeah, i got touched. No, move in the authority and the power of God that is, He has called you in because the glory is living in you. Even if it is just a little bit at a time, it will develop and become huge. It will become bigger than you and then you've got to give all the glory to God and hide in the rock so that He can get all the glory. Amen? Give it to Him. He is worthy of it. He knows who you are because He made you. You can speak life over the form, over the Zoom over Skype, whatever methodology you can speak it and it will carry the glory. That woman got healed on Zoom. Now, nowadays, a lot of ministers are doing Zoom meetings. You should see the healing and the developments and the stuff that's going on with it. Is there any barrier? So you can do it over Zoom in the natural Guess what? You can do it on your knees into the spiritual. And you can bind every demonic force that's working against you and your family and against your mind and break it. In Jesus' name. And you can cause situations to turn around by changing the atmosphere in your home. Right? Sweep into the atmosphere. That's where the victory is. Is in binding and breaking every work of the devil and losing the blessings of God in your home and your situation. You're not fighting against your family. You're not fighting against your brother or sister. You're fighting against spiritual powers in wicked places. A man got taken up to heaven and then he was made to stand on the periphery of darkness and Jesus gave him the opportunity to look into darkness where all the demons were. And the demon, one demon was trying to get up and catch him by the ankle and pull him into darkness, but couldn't do anything. He said he was so weak, he was broken, he was corrupted, he was destroyed. And that's what the situations in your lives are. I don't care how bad it is. You command it. In Jesus name from here, it will change somewhere else. That's how powerful you are if you know how to understand that if you pray in righteousness, you walk in righteousness, bang, it's yours. It'll happen. Amen? Shall we pray? Lord, I just want to touch your people by impartation this morning, even as well as laid hands. I speak from here. And I thank you for that which he has done because it stirs up the gift and imparts the gifts and blesses them where they are in the purposes of God that they will realize that they are called and that there is a destiny for them. Help them to understand what it is that you are doing with them even now. Remove the objections and the obstacles in their path, and let the devil be shamed in all that he's attempting to do in their lives. And we thank you that you will blessed every assembly. To be a light in the darkness. Continue to shine. For the glory of your name. In Jesus name I pray. Keep us all safe under the blood. Give your angels charge over us. And may our week be so fantastically wonderful. In the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Stay for life. And um, if you need prayer, come out and.